0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lore Lodge official podcast. I am your host, Aiden Mattis, and today, because it is 4th of July weekend, uh, sadly my my co-host is at the beach and I am here, but it's okay because I get to go see Top Gun Maverick tonight. Now, I'm going to be honest as we open this one up, this is probably going to be a hard episode for me. Um... We're we're going to be talking about the the Gabby Petito disappearance, the entire case. Uh, what I'm going to do, just to give you the 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 plan for tonight, what I'm going to do is go through the entire case from start to finish. I'm going to be using the ABC News timeline and giving my own commentary based on what I what I felt at the time. <clears throat> for those of you who are a little bit newer here, I I have been very involved in this case since since the very beginning, because before it made national headlines, I was contacted by Gabby's brother, TJ. And, uh, excuse me. So, when I first used the, the Find Gabby and Where's Gabby and Bring Gabby Home hashtags on TikTok, my video was the fourth video. And within days, we were looking at hundreds, thousands of people commenting on this and bringing up the story and all of that. And I was in close contact with with TJ Schmidt, uh, Gabby's brother. I talked to him earlier today to get his permission to do this show tonight. And, um, you know, this this is probably going to be a little bit less jovial of an episode because this is this is so close to home and this is so recent. So, you know, bear with me through that, but we're, we're going to go through the whole thing. And I hope you guys uh, enjoy the show and I hope that this... It, Teaches you some stuff, and that if you weren't clear on the story here, you were wondering why this made national news, or any of that. That you know, you'll you'll understand, and that this will explain some of it. So, to to start this thing off, you know, it's September eleventh, twenty twenty one, I believe it was the day of that I got that that Snapchat message from TJ, and uh, I want to show you guys really quick the the video I posted. Um, at the very beginning so Hopefully my audio works, but uh, I refresh this page so it starts soon Oh, and there's no audio There we go 22 uh, year old Gabby Petito has gone missing in Grand Teton National Park She and her boyfriend were traveling to Yellowstone National Park and then went missing in Grand Teton The last she was seen and heard was on August 25th, and they have received communication from her on the 27th and 30th, though it was only through text message, so they weren't sure that it was actually her. Her boyfriend is not considered missing, and the camper van has been recovered. This is all the information that was legally allowed to be shared with me, and I'll present the missing poster on the following slide. Gabby is 22, she has blonde hair, blue eyes, and let it be tattooed on her right arm, with a tattoo of a triangle with flowers on her left arm. Once again, she is no longer in the van. The van has been recovered and her boyfriend is not considered missing. If you see this video, please share it to spread the word and if you have any details of Gabby's whereabouts, make sure to contact the Suffolk County Police Department. I'll be sure to post any updates as I receive them. There's 720,000 of you. Let's see if we can bring this girl home. One So that was was the initial video. That's all the information I had. Um, As a result, of being involved that early i have been in pretty close contact with her family um they are going through a lawsuit right now against the laundry family because you know there's there's any number of reasons the official uh reason escapes me right now but you know they the the kind of the the belief that i and many other people have is that the laundry family was not completely honest about what happened here and that they knew that brian was involved in gabby's death and that they knew that he, he would be held responsible and they were trying to find a way to prevent that. I, you know, I, I won't say anything about what the Petito family believes. Everything that you're going to hear in this video is my own personal analysis. And I I want to be sure that y'all understand that before we get into it. So to jump into to covering this whole thing, um, sorry, I'm <laughs> close to home. Um, I'm going to start with the first piece of the puzzle here, aside from the actual disappearance and the missing persons report, we're going to go back to that first time that there was a known altercation between the two of them, so for those who don't know... Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry were engaged to be married in July of 2020. They set off on a road trip in July of 2021. They were going to go hike and camp in all the different national parks. Gabby was a Van Life uh, Instagram and YouTube creator. She was actually fairly popular and very excited about this entire trip, this entire adventure that the two of them were going on, posting about it frequently uh, until the end of August when she ceased uh, – calling and and FaceTiming family and would only communicate via text. So that was the first notion that something was off. Gabby went from being, you know, vocal and everything to not not making or receiving phone calls and just kind of going off the grid, so to speak. So uh, I believe that was August 30th that they received their last communication from her and then she was reported missing on September 11th. That's when TJ contacted me and I posted that video. So to start off with this, uh, the first sign that things were going poorly, so to speak, was August 12th in Moab City, Utah. So, uh, you know, August 12th, police had an encounter with the two of them. Again, this is from ABC News, uh, their New York division. They were having an altercation. Uh, officers were called to reports of disorderly conduct and encountered Laundry and Petito, along with a witness whose full name was redacted from the report. Laundry and Petito are described as having gotten into a physical fight following an argument, but both the male and female reported that they are in love and engaged to be married and desperately didn't wish to see anyone charged with a crime, according to the report from Officer Eric Pratt. This is a video that a lot of people saw in it. Uh, Laundry looks very calm and collected, but Gabby looks to be quite distraught um there is uh the report that laundry laundry to be clear here had said that they got into a minor scuffle that began when he climbed into the van with dirty feet petito admitted that she slapped him when she thought that he was going to leave her in moab uh and that the couple states that laundry did not hit petito laundry had visible scratches on his face arms neck and police took photos gabby was nearly arrested but since the two parties both said they didn't want that the police let it go and laundry was put up in a hotel a lot of people and laundry's camp specifically implied used this video to imply that Gabby was emotional and prone to outbursts and things like that. I in my opinion, I found that absolutely disgusting. This information if I remember correctly came out in early October and it was very obvious. People just very quickly jumped on, "Oh my god, look at Gabby. She's she's frantic. She's distraught, you know." And laundry so calm and collected. And I immediately felt something was weird about the way that this footage was being presented um you know i I don't believe for a second that the argument was over brian getting in with dirty feet i think the argument was probably over something else i have no evidence to support that i'm gonna be honest but um you know i i have friends who have been in abusive relationships and abusive situations and it's never that small um you know, Sorry. Um, so so to move on with it. Uh, on August 17th, Brian took a trip home to Florida. He flew back. Uh, he flew home to obtain some items and close the couple's storage unit to save money as they contemplated extending the road trip. Again, I have no evidence to... To be pushing this, um, I just I find the timing odd because on the twenty third, Brian flew back to Florida. I, uh, if I remember correctly, the last phone call communication that Gabby and Brian had, or sorry, not Brian, that Gabby and her family had was on the twenty fifth of August. So, uh, Laundry family attorney Steve Bertolino confirmed that Brian Laundry flew home from Tampa to flew home to Tampa from Salt Lake City and then flew back to Salt Lake City on the twenty third um you know the the storage unit thing is somewhat believable i question why he couldn't have asked his family to do it because it certainly cost more money to fly home and empty a storage unit and then fly back than it would have to just ask his sister or his parents if they could go do it um again there's there's no proof and no evidence uh to to support my my theory here but you know that Again, it's the little... If this were one incident in this whole story, it would be one thing. But this isn't one incident in this whole story. This is a pattern of behavior where, again and again, we see odd behavior from Brian. You know? Um, on August 27th, they were in Wyoming. Uh, a woman named Nina Cecile, Nina Celie Angelo took to her Instagram saying she witnessed Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie get into an explosive argument at the Mary Piglet restaurant in Jackson Hole, Wyoming she screamed. She said that uh, she said that laundry was screaming at the hostess, and Petito was in tears and apologizing. So, I, uh, you know, there have been times in my life when I have had men who are friends or family have episodes where they have been rude to service people and. Usually, the response was uh, significant others, whether that was a girlfriend, a wife, a sister, even not not a significant other either in that case, but uh, you know, so just someone close to the male would often then begin apologizing and you know, be be sorry about this. In my personal experience, I won't say who these men are, but in my personal experience, the kind of men I've known who yell at waitstaff, uh, waitstaff aren't the only people that they are abusive towards so I will leave it at that. Um, she went on to say it looked as though they were almost getting kicked out, it wasn't necessarily between them, it was more so Gabby abruptly leaving the restaurant crying. So the, the indication here is that Gabby was upset with Brian because Brian was upset with the wait staff and being rude to them and yelling at them. Um, so I, he was being very temperamental it said. Uh, Angela said "Laundry was very visibly angry and Petito seemed distraught. This is the last known sighting of the couple together. On August 30th, there is the last communication with the Petito family from Gabby. Uh, Gabby texted her mom, Nicole, on August 30th, said, and her mom would say she was unsure if her daughter actually sent the text messages. And the reasoning for that was that uh, the the text message said, can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls. And the reference to Stan is regarding her grandfather, but according to Nicole, Gabby never calls her grandfather Stan. Which, I, for any of you who have grandparents, how many of you call them by their first name ever? Uh, I, you know, maybe once or twice. That has been in communication with my cousins that we would call our grandfather Lou, uh, and it was usually kind of like, ah, that's just Lou or something along those lines. So, you know, very very odd behavior to call your grandfather by their first name and especially a, a shorter form of it. Um her mom said the message was not normal behavior and became more worried about her. Uh she had reason to because on September 1st Brian returned to Northport. So Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I don't have the exact uh information in front of me, but it takes about three days to cross the country if you're driving the speed limit the whole time. Um, Jackson Hole, Wyoming is about, it's not quite as far from Florida as you can get, but it's, it's pretty damn far from Tampa. Uh, so when that message was sent on August 30th, Brian was probably on the road back to, uh, back to Florida, and he almost certainly had been for, for a couple of days at that point. Police said he had driven the van there and Petito was not with him on September 11th on September 11th the Petito family reported Gabby missing Um, Petito's family reported her missing to the Suffolk County Police Department in New York at approximately 6.55pm when police in Florida knocked on Laundrie's door later that night his parents handed them a lawyer's phone number they knew There is no reason why they would have handed a lawyer's phone number over if they did not know what Brian had done. There's no reason. At the very least, they knew Gabby was dead. And that and that Brian was involved. Because that that's not something you do when i mean brian was the last person to see her alive brian knew what happened so if brian wasn't telling them what happened they must have had the suspicion you know and if brian had told them what happened and they were deliberately obstructing the investigation they were deliberately obstructing the murder We don't know what Brian knows. That's the bottom line. We are hopeful to talk to him. He needs to talk to us. We need to know exactly where he was, where she was, their last locations, and the fact he was back here for ten days. Again, uh, the the family reported her missing ten days later. I don't I don't know who Taylor is in this case. Um, that's not mentioned. I so I don't know what to say there. Uh, their van was processed for evidence. Maybe Taylor was the, the police officer. Um, they were trying to figure out what Brian knew. September 15th, Laundrie was named a person of interest. Uh, he was officially named a person of interest in Petito's disappearance. And Northport police said that he was hindering the investigation. So that means that the police had talked to Brian and Brian was obstinate. He was refusing to cooperate, which is something we knew. He, he and his family were refusing to cooperate. And, um, you know, I don't know what else to say there. I think it would, it should have been pretty obvious to everybody in Brian's family that he knew what was going on and they should have been pressuring him to come clean. They should have been putting they should have handed him over to police custody to be you know they should have refused if if somebody in my family went on a hiking trip with their fiance and came home in their fiance's car with their fiance's wallet and their fiance's phone, and refused to speak to the police and refused to tell me what was going on, I would deny them shelter. And that's what any responsible family member, any responsible human being, whether it's a family member or a roommate or even you know your, your high school prom date who you haven't spoken to in 10 years, if you are the last person to have seen someone alive who is now missing and you are hindering the police investigation, you are refusing to explain what happened. You are not telling people, you know, what you knew. You are just simply lawyered up and hiding. I, I, you can't be a person in that person's life and not force them to talk to the cops. You know. Um, so like I said, September fifteenth, laundry was named a person of interest. Many people are wondering why Mr. Laundry would not make a statement or speak with law enforcement in the face of Mrs. Petito's absence. This is uh, this is his his lawyer, Steve Bertolino. In my experience, intimate partners are often the first person law enforcement focuses their attention on in cases like this, and the warning that any statement made will be used against you is true, regardless of whether my client had anything to do with Ms. Petito's disappearance. As such, on the advice of counsel, Mr. Laundry is not speaking on the matter. I've been informed that the Northport, Florida police have named Brian Laundrie as a person of interest in this matter. This formality has not really changed the circumstances of Mr. Laundry being the focus and attention of law enforcement, and Mr. Laundrie will continue to remain silent on the advice of counsel. So he does have a point that uh, intimate partners, uh, girlfriends, wives, um, you know, spouses in general, are usually the first person of interest in a domestic situation or in a case where someone goes missing. Now, the issue here is that Brian was literally the only person with her when she went missing. This is not a case where there could have been any number of suspects. There was exactly one suspect and it was Brian. There was no evidence that there were other suspects. They had absolutely nothing to go on. So of course Brian is the only suspect. That is not, this this is not a valid excuse for, for his remaining silent. Um, I know that he has the right to do so, but I mean, that, that doesn't really, (laughs) I don't care. Um, you know, I I think there was there was nothing he could do here to make himself look less guilty, and not talking to the police at all was probably going to make him look more guilty. I also believe, uh, under the circumstances, I will read his confession letter later in the uh, in the program as we get towards the end here. Probably not even towards the end. We're we're already covering uh, the portion where he goes missing. So, given the contents of of the letter, I. Uh, I cannot imagine that his attorney did not know what happened, and even if his parents didn't, his attorney did. Um, I understand attorney-client privilege exists, um, and and that Brian's defense, which we'll get to, his his reasoning probably was the same reasoning that was in the confession letter. Uh, but not to put thoughts in anyone's head, I, you know. Well, I'll let you go, I'll read the confession letter to you guys, and I'll let you determine what you think happened um september 16th northport press conference with father a petito family letter police in northport held a news conference during which pia's father begged for her safe return and for laundry to speak up and stop hindering the investigation later the petito schmidt family attorney richard stafford read aloud a letter to laundry's parents pleading for their son to speak to them about gabby's disappearance this of course is assuming that uh brian's parents did not know what happened it was giving them the benefit of the doubt which i think is far more generous than uh than They had any right then they had not right they had every right but then they had any need to be um september 16th and 17th laundry's sister spoke to good morning america so cassie laundry who is the only person involved in this who i believe may have actually not known the truth um obviously me and my family want gabby to be found safe she's like a sister and my children love her and all i want is for her to come home safe and found and this is to be just a big misunderstanding uh, on September seventeenth, it was revealed that there was no connection to another double homicide case that was in uh, Utah. On September seventeenth, Laundry reported the Laundry family reported Brian missing. Police said Laundry's attorney contacted authorities Friday because the family wanted to discuss his disappearance. They claimed they had not seen Brian since Tuesday. So I would like to know why, when your son is the subject of an FBI investigation into his fiance's disappearance. Why you didn't question it when he disappeared on Tuesday, and and then didn't report it until Friday? Uh, you know the the standard time for a missing persons report. By the way, the the uh, the wisdom that you need to wait 24, 48, 72 hours to report a missing person is a complete wise tale. That is not true. You can call in a missing persons report at any time. Um, so it, it is incredibly suspicious, in my opinion, that. Brian went missing on uh tuesday i guess that would have been what the the 14th and was not reported missing until the 17th um police removed items from laundry's house to assist in the search for him uh that was you know they could give the dogs scent uh according to his attorney c bertolino and authorities said on twitter this is the first time the laundry family had spoken with them in detail about the case so the laundry family spoke to investigators in detail For the first time, four days after Brian had gone missing. Four days. When he was absolutely had time to get clear of the area. I don't believe for a second, personally, that they didn't know. Um... They reiterated that Brian is a person of interest, but that they are not currently working on a crime investigation. On September 18th, searches were launched for both. Um, police searched the vast Florida wildlife reserve on Saturday for 23-year-old Brian Laundry, a person of interest in the disappearance of his girlfriend, Gabby Petito. While across the country, the FBI hunted for clues about the missing woman in a mountainous national park in Wyoming. It was Grand Teton, by the way. Um, if there's any light whatsoever in this, it's that Grand Teton is kind of a funny name for a national park. Um, and and to be clear this is why I was contacted was because most of my content at the time was about missing 401 cases and national park disappearances and so TJ followed me for that reason and then when his sister went missing in a national park I was the first person he thought of Um, which I'm not going to lie breaks my heart Um, the search was called off Saturday night by Northport police due to darkness they said nothing was found FBI in Denver said Saturday that agents are conducting ground surveys at Grand Teton with help from National Park Service and local law enforcement agencies seeking clues to Petito's disappearance. Her last known contact with family members was from the national park, known for its mountainous terrain. Uh, The next day, September 19th, Gabby's body was found in Wyoming. Uh, The FBI said she was found by law enforcement agents who had spent the past two days searching campgrounds, and FBI agents said the cause of death had not yet been determined, Tita's family was notified, and her father tweeted a short time later. It was a picture of Gabby in front of a mural uh, with, with angels' wings with moons on them. On the 20th, the Laundry family home was searched. Police and FBI agents, armed with the search warrant, swarmed the Florida home Brian Laundry shared with his parents. The FBI escorted Laundry's parents out of their home into a waiting van in their driveway at 10 a.m. They were in the car for about 10 minutes before going back inside investigators were inside the home with the family all day around 2 30 they towed laundry silver mustang from the driveway and they also brought out evidence boxes and the search warrant indicated that they were looking for brian's computer uh laundry and petito had been living with his parents before making the trek uh the on on the following day september 21st the autopsy confirmed that the body was that of gabby petito uh, Teton County Coroner, Dr. Brent Blue's initial determination is that Pietito's death was a homicide. The cause of death remained pending. Uh, and and when, when it was determined it was a homicide, the investigation really cracked down and said, all right, you know what? This, he's a prime suspect in a homicide investigation now. This is no longer just a missing person search. This is a, we need to find him and determine if he's the person who killed Gabby. Uh, September 22nd, divers joined the search. So search teams returned to a Florida nature park to look for Laundry. This is the park that uh, apparently Laundry had said he was going to and told his parents that he was going on a little camping trip because that's what you do when you're being investigated for murder is go on a camping trip in a local wildlife reserve. Um, it's a 24,000 acre wilderness park. It's a very big park. Um, you know, Investigators say Brian Laundry's parents told him he had gone there after returning home without Petito on September 1st. Uh, I don't know if there's, they obviously can't be saying that, um, I think this is just poorly written. He did not go missing until, uh, Tuesday, the, I believe the 14th of September, um, dive team joined the search, which includes thousands of acres of forbidding swampy subtropical terrain replete with alligators, snakes, Turkey, deer, and other wild creatures. There are more than 100 miles of hiking and horseback riding trails. Listen, guys, um, I've gone camping quite a bit in my life. One of the first rules of camping is don't camp where there are lots and lots of things that could kill you, especially not alone. Uh also don't camp in swamps. Just obviously, like no people don't do that. That's that's something you do when your your goal is to like train for seal training or something like that. That's not something you do as a casual. Yeah, I'm just going to go and and hang out in a swamp. A federal arrest warrant was issued on September twenty third. Um, the US District Court of Wyoming issued the warrant and indictment on Wednesday related to Laundrie's unauthorized use of a Capital One debit card and PIN code with the intent to defraud between August thirtieth and September first in Wyoming. So by the way, that confirms that uh, that he, that, 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 <laughs> that confirms that he had killed Gabby. When he sent that message to his mom, which is just he was obviously trying to cover it up. Reward offered for laundry's arrest on September twenty fifth. Thirty thousand dollars. September twenty sixth, uh Gabby's um Gabby's funeral. On September 27th, Laundrie's parents spoke out. The parents of Brian Laundry say they do not know where their son is, but their son had told them that he was going hiking in that national park, camping in that not national park, sorry, uh, that wilderness reserve. Um, they knew where he was. He told them, so they lied to the FBI. How they haven't been arrested for lying to the FBI, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I don't know law that well. Maybe, maybe there was some reason that they were able to do that. Um. and uh the the statement was via the attorney um steven bertolino they said they were going to dial down the large-scale search efforts for brian as the manhunt entered its second week i think that the hope was that they would just call off the search um and determine that brian was missing um i think that's what Gab- not gabby's family i think that's what brian's family wanted September 29th, Gabby Petito family holds news conference. Uh, her parents and stepparents showed tattoos designed by Gabby with sayings like "Let it be and believe" that they had done in her memory. They avoided answering some questions particularly about Brian laundry. Their lawyer was adamant that laundry's parents provided no help finding Gabby, so they were expecting no help from them finding Brian. On September 30th, the FBI returned to the laundry home. They were seen looking at the camper and going into the home, according to reporters at the scene. The attorney for the Laundry family said the FBI was collecting personal items belonging to Brian. That will assist the canines in their search for Brian. And the attorney said that there is nothing more to this. Um, September 30th, ABC News obtains phone call records. Police say that they were not 911 calls and some were initiated by police officers. Uh, two calls were made on September 10th, the day before Gabby Petito's parents reported her missing, and three calls were made on September 11th, the day she was reported missing. So uh, what that means is that they were, they were calls of service. They were calls to uh, emergency services, but not 911 calls, uh, likely police gathering information or them calling to ask for information themselves. Uh, there is no information on what those calls may have been in regards to. New body cam footage of Gabby Petito came out on October first. Uh, this was the th- this was about the incident in in Utah. Um, uh, it was a nine one one call of a domestic dispute between Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry while they were in the road back in August. Uh, Petito looks at visible bruises on her body as the officer questioned her while she sat in the vehicle. Um, On October 5th, Gabby's family speaks out on social media. Gabby Petito's family joined Twitter Saturday to post emotional messages and tributes for the 22-year-old, including calls for her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, to surrender to police. A chorus of tributes were posted Saturday by Petito's immediate family, many of whom joined Twitter to remember Gabby, but also urged her fiancé to turn himself in. Um, Petito's mother, Nicole Schmidt, wrote on Twitter, Mama Bear is getting angry. Turn yourself in. October 5th, Cassie Laundrie pleads for her brother to return home uh she said i really wish he had come to me first that day with the van because i don't think we'd be here i worry about him i hope he's okay and then i'm angry and i don't know what to think she pleaded with him to come forward cassie this entire time is the only member of the laundry family who even remotely cooperated with police i would tell my brother to just come forward and get us out of this horrible mess october 7th brian's dad joined the search Um, that's super unusual by the way that is not normal uh, law enforcement wants Chris Laundrie to direct them within the Carlton Reserve to a spot where he claims Brian might be hiding. So, the reason for this was that Chris told them he might know where Brian is. So, Chris, who might have known where Brian was on the 17th, Chris Laundrie waited 20 days. 20 days. After knowing that the report of Gabby's death was a homicide, after knowing his son was the prime suspect, he waited 20 days to show the FBI where he knew his son might be hiding. The family's attorney released a statement. Chris Laundry is assisting law enforcement today in the search for Brian. Chris was asked to point out any favorite trails or spots that Brian may have used in the preserve. Although Chris and Roberta Laundrie provided this information verbally three weeks ago, it is now thought that on-site assistance may be better. Um, that's questionable because if they provided that verbally three weeks prior, how come they didn't search those areas? Um, how come they decided that, you know, Oh, we already searched these areas, but now maybe if we do it with Chris, it'll be okay. Chris Laundrie, you are a God, you are a coward. I said it in October and I'll say it again now. If, if by any chance you ever do hear this, you ever do see this, I want you to know, Chris, um, I, I'm i a Christian. I believe there's a God. And uh, mainly I believe there is a God because I see good in the world. But it's times like this when I hope there is a God because we might fail to punish you for what you did for what you hid for the, the torture you put this family through. So if there is a God up there, I really hope he's got his eye on you. The preserve was close to the public and the laundries as well, but the parents may have been been cooperating since the search began, which is just a lie. (laughs) October 12th coroner says Gabby Petito was strangled. He estimated her time of death is believed to be three to four weeks from the time her body was found. Her body, again, let's, uh, let's go back up here so I can get you the exact date. <laughs> um, her body was, the autopsy was performed on the 21st. Her body had been discovered on the 19th. So three weeks, three to four weeks. So sometime the last week of August is when she died. Gabby Petito Foundation holds first fundraiser on Long Island on October 17th. The Petito Foundation, Gabby Petito Foundation is a group that was brought together uh, due to all of the outreach for Gabby's case. The intention, the mission statement is to provide resources, be it education, funding, um, legal help for people who are in domestic violence scenarios. Um, I would... Request that uh, in lieu of uh, any super chats that we might receive during this podcast, uh, please go to the, the Gabby Petito Foundation's website. Um, I'll I'll put it in the description after the video. It slipped my mind. Um, if you if you were planning to super chat or to donate or anything like that uh, to the stream, please instead go and donate to the Gabby Petito Foundation. Um, that's that's all I can request on that. Uh, October twentieth, the medical examiner was called to preserve where they were searching for Brian. Uh, Brian Laundrie's parents along with the FBI and local authorities found some items belonging to Brian off a trail that he frequented. This, this article does not quite do justice to what actually happened. It took 30 minutes from the Laundries entering the park. 30 minutes. Police investigated for a month. For a month, police searched this park. Police, divers, FBI, search and rescue, everyone was combing this park. They found him less than a mile from one of the park's entrances, and it took them 30 minutes. They knew exactly where their son was that entire time. That entire damn time. Because there is no way... Let me let me tell you, as, as, as somebody who loves going out in the woods and as somebody who investigates missing persons cases, you do not walk 30 minutes into a nature preserve and find things that people have been combing the area for two weeks over. And their excuse was that the water in the swamp had been unusually high for the last few weeks, and that's why Brian's body and his remains weren't found. Never mind that several of the things that Brian owned would have floated to the surface in the water uh also the fact that uh unusually high was not several feet it was it was like six inches to a foot you you would have seen it um you know i i'm a little upset that they didn't actually cover the extent of how how much of a quinky dink that was on october 20th possible human remains found that was why the medical examiner was called in called in uh, earlier today, investigators found what appeared to be human remains as well as personal items such as a backpack and notebook belonging to Brian Laundrie. These items were found in an area that up until recently had been underwater. <laughs> Not that deep. Not that deep of water. On October 21st, Brian Laundrie's remains are confirmed. Dental records prove that the remains found in a Florida park are those of Gabby Petito's fiancé, Brian Laundrie. They were juvenile dental records, and uh, I can't release information... that uh, that I have personally obtained, um, about certain parts of this case, but the, if, if the information I have is correct, the person who confirmed those dental records should never have once ever been allowed near them. Um, the conflicts of interest were far too much. Uh, when the lawsuit is settled, maybe I can say what I'm, say what I've been told, but for now I have to keep, uh, have to keep quiet, but, um and i won't say where i obtained this information either it was not from the laundry family or from the petito family um you know i, I did a, a lot of my own digging um chris and Roberta laundry have been informed that the rain sounded found yesterday in the reserve are indeed bryans we have no further comment at this time and we ask that you respect the laundry family's privacy at this time which is just so ironic that that they said that um and uh, i see i see the chat Seth. i see what you said uh I would release it if it would not jeopardize um, certain certain things um, involving the Petito family getting justice. Um, November 23rd, Brian Laundrie's cause of death was released. Brian's cause of death was a gunshot wound to the head and the manner of death was suicide. Let me tell you guys, if you have, a, uh, if you have remains, especially the kind of remains that would uh, inform you, that somebody was shot in the head, it doesn't take you a month to figure that out. A gunshot wound to the head is a gunshot wound to the head. An anthropologist determined this, by the way. Because, uh... And if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong about this, but if I remember correctly... Uh... It was an anthropologist hired by the Laundrie family. I don't know for a fact. If somebody wants to fact check me on that, go for it. Um, but yeah, so the, the reason that, they, that this anthropologist ever got their hands on Brian's remains is because the Sarasota County Medical Examiner did not produce concrete results. Um, so uh, now, that you guys, now that you guys have the story, the, the, the whole story um, sorry I'm going to read you the letter the, the confession from his notebook which uh, the there was a reference to in January and then it was finally obtained and released for for the sake of transparency uh, by the lawyer by Steve Bernolino this is uh, allegedly These are Brian's own words. Gabby, I wish I was right at your side. I wish I could be talking to you right now. I'd be going through every memory we made, getting even more excited for the future. But we've lost our future. I can't live without you. I've lost every day we could have spent together, every holiday. I'll never go hiking with TJ. I loved you more than anything. I can't bear to look at our photos to recall great times because it is why I can't go on. When I close my eyes, I will think of laying on the roof of the van, falling asleep to the sight of a meteor shower at the crystal geyser. I will always love you. If you were reading Gab's journal, looking at photos from our life together, flipping through old cards, you wouldn't want to live a day without her, knowing that every day you'll wake up without her, you wouldn't want to wake up. I'm sorry to everyone this will affect. Gabby was the love of my life, but I know adored by many. I'm so very sorry to her family because I love them. I'd consider her younger siblings my best of friends. I'm sorry to my family. This is a shock to them as well as a terrible grief. They loved her as much, if not more, than me. A new daughter to my mother, an aunt to my nephews. Please do not make this harder for them. This occurred as an unexpected tragedy. Rushing back to our car, trying to cross streams of Spread Creek before it got too dark to see, too cold, I hear a splash and a scream. I could barely see. I couldn't find her for a moment, shouted her name. I found her breathing heavily, gasping my name. She was freezing cold. We had just come home from the blazing hot national parks in Utah. The temperature had dropped to freezing, and she was soaking wet. We just come from the blazing hot national parks in Utah, sorry. I carried her as far as I could down the stream towards the car, stumbling, exhausted, in shock when my knees buckled, and I knew I couldn't safely carry her. I started a fire and spooned her as close to the heat She was so thin, had already been freezing too long. I couldn't at the time realize I should have started a fire first, but I wanted her out of the cold, back to the car. From where I started the fire, I had no idea how far the car might beat me, only knew it was across the creek. I pulled Gabby out of the water and and she couldn't tell me what hurt. She had a small bump on her forehead that eventually got larger. Her feet hurt, her wrist hurt, but she was freezing, shaking violently. While carrying her, she continually made sounds of pain. Laying next to her, she said little, lapsing between violent shakes, gasping in pain, begging for an end to her pain. She would fall asleep and I would shake her awake, feeling she she shouldn't close her eyes if she had a concussion. She would wake in pain, start her whole painful cycle again, while furious that I was the one waking her. She wouldn't let me cross the creek, thought like me that the fire would go out in her sleep and she'd freeze. I don't know the extent of Gabby's injuries, only that she was in extreme pain. I ended her life. I thought it was merciful, that it is what she wanted, but I see now all of the mistakes I made. I panicked. I was in shock. From the moment I decided took her pain away, I knew I couldn't go on without her. I rushed home to spend my time I had left with my family. I wanted to let, drive north and let James or TJ kill me, but I wouldn't want them to spend time in jail over my mistake even though I'm sure they would have liked to. I am ending my life not because of a fear of punishment, but rather because I can't stand to live another day without her. I've lost our whole future together, every moment we could have cherished. I'm sorry for everyone's loss. Please do not make life harder for my family. They lost a son and a daughter, the most beautiful girl in the world. Gabby, I'm sorry. I have killed myself by this creek in the hopes that animals may tear me apart, that it may make some of her family happy. Please pick up all of the things Gabby hated people who litter. I've read this note a few times today. Um, Spoke with TJ about it. Uh, His conversation, the the conversation I had with him is private. Um, You know, so I'll I'll keep that out of it. Obviously, the the first half of this letter um, is is a lot of, um, you know, A lot of stuff about how great Gabby was um, it's a lot of apologies um, and the thing is when I when I read that part there's there's some stuff that seems earnest but some of it seems very calculated um, this is all from a handwritten a handwritten uh, Notepad, so I'll uh, I'll pull that up for you guys. This is uh this is the notebook. Um, you know, obviously it's it's kind of hard to read. That bit about uh about TJ's is, is down here. Um. i'm not sure if i'm just looking for things to be uh out of to be odd but this strikes me as odd the way that it starts out on the line and then very quickly he starts writing at an angle and then it kind of goes into this weird arcing format but then on the very next page he's writing perfectly on the lines um again i don't know that that means anything but it did stick out to me. And yes, plaz, I agree with you. Now, I don't know if it was in a watertight bag or what, but no, it does not look waterlogged enough. (laughs) The thing that stuck out to me most immediately, there were a couple of things. A, uh, this right here is in, it appears to be in a different marker uh, than this. These are two very different ink colors um there's nothing else i can really pick out about it other than that um the, the handwriting appears to match if you look at the y's here and the the way the t's are written um it definitely seems to be the same handwriting but this looks like it may have been added later but I. Uh, The, the sentence, I have killed myself by this creek in hopes that animals may tear me apart, that it may make some of her family happy. I, I don't know what to say about it. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I, just something about that. It feels wrong. Um, compared to the rest of the letter it just seems so so certain Um, it it is odd that he doesn't capitalize her name I'm not a psychologist I'm not going to do some sort of psych evaluation for you guys here on what I'm reading Um, I just know that when I read the note it feels wrong something, something feels off. Uh, it feels like it seems sociopathic to me, I think is what it is. Um, the cold calculating nature of so many of these sentences. Um, just something about it feels, feels like it's not right. Um, like it was designed. I don't know. (laughs) but there's some other stuff in here that that gets me and I want to talk about it. Um, His reference to her younger siblings being some of his best friends. I haven't spoken to James. Um, I have spoken to TJ. I, I won't put words in TJ's mouth, but what I've ascertained is that he and Brian were not very close. Um... Sorry if you guys hear the fireworks going on outside my window. Um, it's interesting he said I've never gone hiking with TJ. Uh, they'd gone camping together. Which, is, which was one of the first things that I noticed was off. Um, was, was that that's, that's not accurate. Um, you know, a lot of these other things are things that only Gabby would be able to corroborate. Um but yeah it's if you read the the way the rest of this is written i mean vague the the first half is vague um there are some little instances of specific moments but it's like this one crystal geyser thing but the rest of it's so vague no names um other than tj's uh her name is capitalized in this letter in in the transcript but it is often not in the actual note um i I always capitalize names that's all i can say uh even of people i don't like um because people are people and i think if you if if when you look at other people, and you speak about other people, and you think about other people, um, you know, I think, I think there's a certain res- respect for life that sociopaths don't have, and um, that that's why I see his is not capitalizing her name as a clue of that. I, uh, and as well, you know, and again, like I said, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, I have absolutely no business. Making these assumptions, but you know what? Fuck it, I'm angry. <laughs> um. His nonchalance. At, when he's when he and Gabby are being questioned by the police in that video from Utah, him, treating customer service staff horribly, I, uh, the the way that Gabby, if you watch the video, she seems more scared of brian than she does of going to jail um in my opinion but then it goes from this very uh this very vague set of i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry um i'll never i'll never and and that's the other thing is so much of this is i and me and and stuff like that um and so little about her and then uh and then this bit about going back for the car after she fell in the water that's believable um what's not believable is his reaction i don't think you know, i don't know you guys can you guys can go ahead and make your assumptions um I will say this. It is very, very easy. A lot of people underestimate how easy it is to hurt yourself falling, um, especially in water. Uh, my friends and I, there's a there's a creek we go out to in the summers because we like to hike there and we like to cool off and all that. Um, and it's, it's very easy to fall, especially if your feet are wet. Um, it's also very easy to push someone in. So I... Uh, He says he couldn't find her for a moment. He shouted her name. Um, You know, this is all so eloquently written. You know? This, This reads like somebody trying to tell a story. Not like somebody apologizing. He says he found her breathing heavily, gasping his name, and that she was freezing cold. So she clearly wasn't underwater when he found her. Um, he also said that they were trying to get back because it was getting too dark to see here's the thing about that he says that she was freezing immediately but it was getting dark it wasn't dark it takes time for the temperature to drop to freezing he says that it was blazing hot and the temperature dropped to freezing before it was dark and then if someone so let me let me walk you through the the first aid and survival tips if somebody injures themselves falling Uh, i there's a few things first of all you're not supposed to move them um if it appears that they may have hurt their neck or their back i in a case like this where the person is in water yeah obviously you want to move them you want to get them to safety uh there's a few questions to be asked a did they have cell reception um where this happened They were clearly near enough to the car that he carried her there. And that brings me to another question. When somebody is cold, if what you're worried about is hypothermia and you're worried about hypothermia because the air is getting cold and they're wearing wet clothing, what you do is get their clothing off of them and get them wrapped in something warm. He was by the car, so the fact that he did not undress her and wrap her in a blanket and then put her in front of the fire makes no sense whatsoever. Also... His whole thing about, oh, she had a concussion and I I didn't want her to fall asleep and not wake up, Um, you know, in a situation where somebody appears to be seriously injured from other things, the concussion is not the first thing on your mind. Concussions are bad, but a concussion where someone is awake and speaking to you, even if it's in short sentences and, and single words, a concussion like that is not immediately about to be fatal. And what you need to do is not keep them huddled up in their wet clothes next to a fire. What you need to do is get them to a hospital. And their van was right there. So Brian could have undressed her, wrapped her in blankets, put her into the van. Remember, this is a, this is a, a like van life van. There is a bed in here. There are warm clothes in here. The van itself would be warm. So if his goal was to keep her warm and dry and conscious, what he should have done was get her wrapped up in clothing and either laid her down in the back or put her in the seat next to him and kept the radio on, kept stimulation going. So assuming he couldn't have called for emergency services, he could have put her in the van and drove her somewhere where she could have received the help she needed. Instead, he chose to allow her to, you know, essentially be freezing to death made no attempt to contact authorities, made no attempt to get help, and chose to strangle her? Let me tell you something about strangulation. What you see in the movies ain't real. Where they they put you in a chokehold like this for 20, 30 seconds, and you pass out, or you die. That's not how strangulation works. To strangle somebody, to strangle somebody, you have to hold your hands around their neck and squeeze really hard. And you have to do that long enough, not only that they can't take in enough oxygen. But also that their brain stops functioning because if you just hold long enough to deprive them of oxygen so they pass out, they're just going to sleep. To strangle somebody to death, you have to cause physical trauma. You have to hold your hands there long enough for their brain to be deprived of oxygen. You have to cut off their blood supply. Strangulation is one of the most personal, vindictive, and brutal ways to kill somebody. We do not see strangulation as a mercy killing. And also, if his concern was that if she fell asleep, she might die. And for that reason, he decided to kill her himself. Why, if if the choices were... She's going to die, or I can get her help. If there, if if your last, oh my god, if your only option that you see left is to put them out of their misery, he could have taken her to get help. Because there, there were two ways it could have gone. Either she was going to die on the way, but he tried. Or she was going to get help. Those were the two ways driving her to a hospital would have gone. By killing her himself, Brian took away any chance she had. And then he didn't tell anybody. He didn't drive to a hospital. He didn't drive to turn himself into the cops. And the fact of the matter is... (laughs) If she had died naturally if she just succumbed to her injuries he could have gone home and told people he might have been investigated for for murder but if she died because of injuries sustained in a fall he probably wouldn't have even been charged with manslaughter in fact if he had tried to get her to a hospital and she died on the way that would have been very favorable to him in court. So no, I don't think this was some tragic accident where Gabby slipped crossing a creek, hit her head, and you know, sprained her wrist and was and had a concussion and was shaking violently, and he saw the only option, you know, was, was to to kill her. I don't I don't buy that. Because there are so many steps along the way where that would where where that could have been avoided. Or where he could have at least tried to help. Um, I don't know much about Brian as a person. I know there were a lot of people who did some internet sleuthing and figured out that they thought thought he was a sociopath because of this, this and that. I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't do that research myself. What I know is that if she had fallen, if she had hurt herself and that was the concern and he had driven her to a hospital and tried to get her help because not a single one of the injuries he describes are consistent with physical beating. Um, she the police could argue that he pushed her into the creek, but then they'd have to prove it. And there's simply, you know, th- there's the there are some domestic disputes, but that's circumstantial in court. And I'm not I'm not trying to play it down. I'm trying I'm just trying to you know present like le- in a level headed manner. Like how would this case have looked if she died of if she's come to her injuries? You know, would would there have been any shot? That he got convicted of anything, um, maybe it may be involuntary manslaughter because you would never, ever, ever be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he murdered her, that it was intentional. If, if the story he's telling is true, and if he had tried to get her help, I can't say say anything more about the specifics of the case. But what it seems like to me is that they got in an argument, and. Um, you know, and, and the autopsy report, uh, I, I don't think there's any suggestion that she was wounded otherwise. Um let me see I can I probably have it here somewhere. Um, here it is. Yeah. Here's here's the FBI release uh, on the autopsy. I'll I'll just read it in full for you. Investigators from the FBI Denver Field Office, its Wyoming resident agencies, the National Park Service, U.S. Forest Service, Teton County Sheriff's Office, Teton County Search and Rescue, and Jackson Police Department participated in a search for evidence in a remote area of the Grand Teton National Park and the Bridger Teton National Forest. On Sunday, September 19, 2021, human remains were located and recovered consistent with the description of Gaddy Petito. The remains were transported to the Teton County Coroner's Office for forensic examination to confirm identity and determine the manner or cause of death. Dr. Brent Blue confirmed the remains were those of Gabby Petito, date of birth March 19, 1999. Coroner Blue's initial determined for the manner of death is homicide. The cause of death remains pending final autopsy results. The FBI's commitment to justice is at the forefront of each and every investigation, said FBI Denver special agent in charge, Michael Schneider. The FBI and our partners remain dedicated to ensuring anyone's responsible for our Anyone responsible for or complicit in Miss Petito's death is held accountable for their actions. Mr. Brian Laundry has been named a person of interest. Anyone with information concerning Brian Laundry's role in this matter or his current whereabouts should contact the FBI. The forensic search has concluded of the Spread Creek dispersed camping area, and law enforcement has released this area. Uh, the rest of it is just basic law enforcement stuff. But um, they said homicide. Uh, I was not able to find a single thing that suggested that uh, Gabby had injuries elsewhere on her body. That may be because a sprained ankle wouldn't equate to, uh, you know, a murder charge. Um, But I feel like it probably would have been mentioned uh, that she had external injuries other than the the strangulation, the fact that uh, they didn't determine strangulation off the bat um, you know i i don't know why that is but oh, man so uh that's that is the story up to this point that's that's where we are now he could have, he could have tried to save her. If what he describes in that note actually happened, he he could have tried to, to get her somewhere safe. He could have tried to get her to a hospital. That's what any rational person who wanted somebody to survive would have done. Um, the letter to me reads like somebody trying to absolve themselves, and honestly, it sounds completely fabricated to me. Um, the The story he tells about how she died doesn't make sense for several reasons. One of them, like I said, being that it would not be that cold before uh, before dark in a national park um, in in August. I, you know, that just, the fact that he didn't remove her clothes and try to put warmer clothes on her, dry clothes on her, just basic stuff, like, like first steps, the, the simplest stuff imaginable, and stuff that you don't even need training to think of, somebody is wet and cold, make them dry, just simple common sense, um, I'll, uh... Let me see, I'll, I'll put the note up on the screen so so people can read it if you give me, uh, give me one second here. Um, you know, I, for anybody who's who's just tuning in now, I'll read it again. Uh, Gabby, I wish I was right at your side. I wish I could be talking to you right now. I'd be going through every memory we made, getting even more excited for the future. But we've lost our future. I can't live without you. I've lost every day we could have spent together, every holiday. It's I, 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 I've lost, I've i mm, i'll never go hiking with tj again i loved you more than anything or i'll never go hiking with tj i loved you more than anything i can't bear to look at our photos for great times because why i can't go on when i close my eyes i will think of laying on the roof of the van falling asleep to the side of a meteor shower at the crystal geyser i will always love you this whole note is just me 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 pity me my oh i'm so you know poor me this is so horrible that this happened to me and you know if you were reading Gab's journal, looking at photos of our life together, flipping through old cards, you wouldn't want to live a day without her, knowing that every day you'll wake up without her, you won't want to wake up. I'm sorry to everyone this was fact. Gabby was the love of my life, but I know adored by many. I'm so sorry to her family, because I love them. I'd consider her younger siblings to be my best of friends. I'm sorry, that my f- I'm sorry to my family, this is a shock to them as well as a terrible grief. They loved her as much, if not more, than me. A new daughter to my mother, and an aunt to my nephews. Please do not make this harder for them. This has occurred as an unexpected tragedy. Rushing back to our car, trying to cross the streams of Spread Creek before it got too dark to see. Too cold. I hear a splash and a scream. This is far too eloquent for somebody who fails to use the correct to, by the way. Uh, it's T-O. So if you're going to tell me that this guy was was writing this himself that these were his words what this letter reads like to me is dictation that he was writing in his handwriting because it obviously had to be his handwriting otherwise nobody would believe it but that somebody was dictating it to him that somebody else wrote this and you know what based on the way that their lawyer talks i've got a damn good idea who actually wrote this and dictated it to brian to write down also the notebook doesn't look nearly waterlogged enough as was said before um, the, to sum up the rest of the note for anybody who, who's just tuning in, uh, it's a story about how they, she, she slipped in a creek, uh, was incoherent, um, and that she was cold and shaking, and that she had multiple injuries and that he didn't drive her home. He didn't drive her to a hospital, he kept her wet clothes on and just started a fire and they, they huddled by it until he decided you know what there's no other option for me here but to but to murder my fiance and then how he's how he's so apologetic how he wanted to drive north and let James or TJ kill him but but he wouldn't want them to spend time in jail he's making himself out to be the good guy so let me tell you what what i believe in there's no there's no evidence right (laughs) for for what i'm saying no hard evidence i know there was a lot of speculation a lot of bs by the way i remember seeing a news story that said that dna confirmed that it was brian but when i went to look for that news story today i couldn't find it anywhere um seemed just not exist uh the only thing they had was juvenile dental records that they used to confirm that it was him um yeah, not to not to reference, uh, fiction, but um, life imitates art, and uh, there is an episode of a TV show, a finale. I won't I won't say which show in case you haven't seen it. There's an episode of a show where uh, the main character fakes his death, swaps uh, what's supposed to be his corpse with uh, another another person's corpse, and swaps his dental records with the the corpse's dental records his parents are rich not fabulously wealthy not billionaires but um, based on the value of their home their cars the fact that they were able to finance most of this trip for for gabby and, and Brian um, they, they've probably got a few million in the bank definitely enough to pay off some people they are fairly powerful in their community well connected um, I don't think Brian's dead I'm gonna be perfectly blunt with all of you I do not think he's dead I think he's in the Cayman Islands or you know Cyprus or Greece Greece doesn't extradite Um, I think they got him out of the country probably to somewhere in the Caribbean maybe Mexico and I think they flew him to a country that doesn't extradite to the United States that's my opinion Um, I have, I mean, I really have no, uh, (laughs) I have no evidence to prove it. It's just a gut feeling based on everything I've seen. Um, I'm obviously, I'm not trying to, to make that, you know, I'm not trying to prove that here. I'm just telling you guys what I think. I think he's alive. And I think he's somewhere and I think that what they want, what his family wants is for us to forget or to focus on something else, focus on the lawsuit to, to, you know, they, they created this sob story where it wasn't really his fault. And he was just so overcome with grief that he took his own life. And then he just happened to take his own life in a place where his body would probably be nigh unrecognizable because of what alligators would do to it Um, so uh, just quickly to answer a question that popped up in the chat how would he escape the country by boat Uh, he's in Florida Cuba's not far away Um, but also he was only a person of interest Um, you know he the, the cops were not this is the part that really gets me. There was not 24-hour surveillance of the home. It was completely possible that somebody picked him up, that they, they drove him somewhere. Um, obviously, to, to get on a plane out of the country, you need to bring your passport. Um, not that hard to fabricate documentation. Uh, also, really not that hard to cross the U.S. border with Mexico. Um, I mean, there are just so many possibilities for what happened but what i think you know we may never get we may never get brian either because he's dead or more likely because he's living under a new identity in some country somewhere else in the world and there's just there's no way that we can ever devote the resources to that they just won't be able to justify it I think his parents want to cast enough doubt that they can't be found guilty of, uh, well, obviously, I don't think they're being criminally charged. I think it's just a civil suit, from what I understand. Um, But I think that what the the laundry family is hoping for here is that this will come to some sort of uh, settlement, I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. My thoughts are all over the place right now. This is <laughs> I spent hours getting ready for this, and I'm still I'm still struggling with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it just just based on everything I've seen the the amount of the the amount of obstruction, the fact that he wasn't reported missing until four days after he went, and they gave a very specific location for where he went. And nobody found him there. Um, It it feels like misdirection to me. I can't prove it. I just know that this is what I feel. Um, As for the body they found, first of all, they didn't find an entire body. They found uh, bone fragments. um, Enough of a skull to determine that it was a gunshot wound to the head. Um, You can test bones for DNA, especially bones that fresh. Um, and to be clear, you know, if if Brian's body was found, let me, uh, let me pull up the, the story again so I can, I can get the exact timing here, but Brian's body, Brian was reported missing on the 17th of, uh, September, I believe. And, um, his his remains supposedly were found on october 20th it's like 33 days it took them 30 minutes now listen uh animal predation scavenging can can rip all the flesh off a body pretty quick it's possible his body decomposed in this time period um, due, to, due to predation and the environment but here's the thing bodies decompose slower in water if I'm, if I'm not mistaken um, from, from my earlier research on this uh, if I remember correctly a, a body will, will decompose slower in water um, I could be wrong about that again I'm, I'm a little scrambled right now um, and I don't, I don't have Aiden here to fact check me live Um, the one thing I'm sure of based based on the evidence I've seen the one thing I am almost positive of is that his parents knew the fact that they lawyered up the fact that they waited 10 days from the time that He arrived home to the time that they actually spoke to anyone. And even then it was, it was through a lawyer. The fact that they refused to cooperate at any point with the Petito family, they knew they, they knew. And again, I can't prove that this is all, you know, my my personal opinions, my beliefs, my allegations. Um, I'm angry and I really hope I hope that this lawsuit I hope that the Petito Schmidt family wins and I hope that some justice comes of it it makes me angry to know that that Brian will probably never see justice because I don't believe for a second that he is um, that he's dead So I, yeah, I guess, um, that's what I have to say on the subject. TJ and and your family, I I don't know if you're listening. I'm so sorry. And I wish that there is more I I could have done. I wish that, I wish she'd been alive when you asked me to help. Sorry, I couldn't do more And I hope you guys know that there, in this life or the next there will be justice. I promise you that <laughs> I guess um, I'll, I'll open it up for, uh, for questions. If there's anything anybody uh, wasn't clear on or they want to know about the case, again, uh, don't do super chats. Um, if, if you want to send money, send it to the Petito Foundation. Um, again, I'll, I'll link them. I'll see if I can grab that link for you right now. Here it is. It's, it's pretty simple. GadpatitoFoundation.org. I'm gonna pull it up for you guys. Let's uh, see, is that there? We go. I'm gonna gonna pin this in the chat. So, um, if you want, if you wanna, if you wanna help, uh, if you wanna support the mission of the Petito, Gabby Petito Foundation, again. The goal is to help uh, people who are in domestic abuse situations by providing them education and resources and legal help to get out of those situations, so that nothing like what what I believe happened to Gabby ever happens again, um, or that at least we can we can uh, we can prevent it from happening as much as possible. Because there's no excuse for what happened here. And I'm disappointed in our justice system I'm disappointed in the police I'm disappointed in the FBI <laughs> and I mean if there's one thing that that can be done for sure that doesn't need legal help that doesn't need divine intervention that doesn't need that doesn't need the, the power of the law behind it if there's one thing that can help um For anyone in the Northport community, I hope you guys are all making sure that the laundries feel unwelcome in their own town, in their favorite coffee shop, in their favorite diner, at the country club, down by the docks if they have boats, in their own neighborhood. (laughs) Because you know, one thing that, that the community can do, very easy to get a sign. Like one of those election signs. Very easy to get one that just says, Chris Laundry, Roberto Laundry, you're not welcome here. It's very easy to get a sign that says, Justice for Gabby Petito, and plant it right on the lawn at the house across the street from theirs. They knew. Let them know you know they knew. Um, and yes, I will be putting the, the link to their, to the Gab Petito Foundation in, uh, in the bio of every YouTube video that comes up. Um, it's just going to be a standard one, just like our, just like our target affiliate link, just like our Guy Industries affiliate link. Um, it will be in every single one. I'll put it in my link tree. I plan on making a TikTok video about it, recapping all of this, and it will, it will be referenced in there as well. Um... I'll try and put a link on Instagram, and if possible, I know for the YouTube videos, I can sometimes put a fundraiser option. If possible, I will put a fundraiser option on this video and uh, and upcoming Missing 4 one videos. And if I can do it uh, retroactively, I'll go put it on our other Missing 4 one videos as well. Um, I I wasn't totally aware of it until today. I I knew there was some sort of foundation. I wasn't sure what the mission was and all that, but now now that I know... um, I will be putting that up. Um and yeah, Noah, you can you can ask off topic questions if you'd like. Um That is true. Uh, the I haven't seen any information about the gun itself. Um whoever owns the gun i, I mean i he, here's the thing about that i uh, the atf rarely tries to trace guns unless it's the original owner so if the owner was anyone if the person who purchased the gun was anyone but the laundry family it's almost impossible to trace i uh, Private sales and private transfers are a thing, um, and for the most part, they they are used appropriately with legal firearms uh, to transfer them between family members or, you know, if, if you're in the mountains and there's a bear going around and you've got two rifles and your neighbor doesn't have any, the law is there to protect those situations so you can, you know, transfer somebody a weapon temporarily or permanently for the right reasons. Now, unfortunately, it does sometimes get abused in situations possibly like this. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Noah asked if I've ever been in the Harrisburg area. Yes. I, uh, I went to Penn State University, um, drove through Harrisburg every single time I went up and back. Uh, I've spent some time there. Uh, you know, day trips and whatnot, but yeah, I've been, I've been to Harrisburg. Uh, I'll actually be going through Harrisburg in a couple of weeks and going up to ArtsFest in State College. So if anyone is in or around State College, I will be there from Thursday night, uh, the... The fourteenth of July through the following Sunday night, um, I'll be heading home. So, uh, if you're up there, um, you know, try and find me. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, Archie's down here. He's hanging. Um, yeah, I can. I can have the boy make an appearance. Come here, Bubs. Wait, where, where are you going? Come on, come on. Come here. Come here. Come on. He does not want to come up tonight. <sighs> Here's the boy. <laughs> As you can see, he's very good. He actually is an ESA. Um, this is his job. Although he seems to have developed the same anxiety disorder I have, so we'll, we'll see how that how that goes. But yeah, he's he's a very good boy. <laughs> Um, that's, uh, (laughs) I think we all need Archie right now, so I'll leave him up on the screen for a little bit. (laughs) He is very good. So you, like I told you guys, he, he has he has no brain cells, but but he's good at his job. If I can find my headphone cable and get it out from under him so I can answer some more questions. Um, let's see. Uh, I know your theory is Bigfoot and flesh pedestrians don't exist in the same area because Bigfoot is stronger than the flesh pedestrians, but could it not be the other way around? I suppose it could. Um, you know, my theory here with the, the Native American folklore is that they wouldn't exist in the same place uh, now. You know, following along with that, Bigfoot um, in Native American mythology is a a protector being. In many cases, uh, he's seen as kind of an elder brother, uh, and also possibly a interdimensional being. Um, you know, it's so. If if you're a Bigfoot believer, then yeah, Bigfoot would be uh, a protective being, and since he's above us, he's he's a, a higher higher level of being. Um, I would say that he would probably be stronger than a demonic presence. Um, you know, for me as a, as a Christian, we have very similar stories of guardian angels and angels that are protective and patrons of various cities and churches. Um, I think it's probably the same thing. You know, it makes sense to me that, yeah, of course they wouldn't have angels and demons the way we do, but I think it's the same idea, you know, um, you know, Bigfoot's a, a good guy, a good elder brother, a good interdimensional savior being, as are angels in Judeo-Christian mythology, and not mythology, Judeo-Christian uh, theology. And um, you know, I, as a Christian, for me, uh, I, I find it rather hypocritical to look at stories from Native American cultures like that of Bigfoot, the Wendigo, uh, you know, skinwalkers, and the Lucifalia the red-haired giants things like that and say oh there's no way that could possibly be true because for me you know we've got nephilim and we've got angels and demons and satan and you know all those things so i think it's fair um all right let me read through uh (laughs) may brian and his father hear whistling in the woods at night in the mountains i agree uh archie is a miniature american eskimo dog Archie, look at the people. Look at him. They're, they're up there. Hi. So, uh, he is genetically very similar to Pomeranians, just much larger. Although he is about the same size as large Pomeranians. Um, there have been a few times that he has been nearly outclassed by a, a POM. Um, thanks for the Kush video. Thank you. I, I thought that, that was a very interesting one. I will check out uh, Lost Grief Garment. I will. I will check it out. Um, yeah, I, I agree that Bigfoot seems very similar. From what I understand, I could be wrong again. Um, Native American folklore is something I'm still learning about, but I find it fascinating. Uh, but in my, from what I understand, he he would fit the same idea as as angels. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm a Wesleyan Methodist. I follow John Wesley's method. I don't go to, I, I don't go to Methodist churches. Um, I'm aware that there's a split. I don't particularly care. Um, my opinion on, on church in the modern day is that they're, they're not doing a good job in many cases. Um, they're either far too fundamentalist or far too progressive. I, at a broader level so in my opinion you know it's when it comes to churches there's probably several in your town see which one you like best um organized organized christianity is fighting a losing battle because both sides are bad um (laughs) of course uh jennifer you know i I, I love what we've been able to do with Patreon. Um, you know, it, by the way, if that is if you do like if you do like what we're doing, you want to support our our channel. Uh, we do have a Patreon. It is lodge It's linked in the description. That's our primary source of funding for the show. Um, so if you if you want to help out, uh, go over there. There's a one dollar tier that just gets you basic access to everything, uh, and then there is up through a hundred dollar tiers. As you get to the higher ones, I think starting with the five dollar, you uh, you get certain like fun little perks like posters and hoodies and T-shirts. Um, Joe Central, oh, why do people have the need for religion? I think that I, uh, I think the reason that we have an innate desire for religion is because there's some truth to it. Um, whether you are Hindu or Christian or uh, one of the animist religions of. Um, the you know the northern territories of europe and canada um you know or any of any of the religions of africa or south america i i think that we have religion because there are supernatural things that happen in our world there are things that we don't understand and whether you believe that your religion is correct or not i think that they're all correct about certain things um and and the reason that we feel an innate need for it is because we're just acknowledging the existence of something we can't understand. Um, I mean, if you bring it around to atheism, there's there's simulation theory. Um, people are always trying to come up with explanations for how we got here, why certain things happen. And I think that you know, there's nothing wrong with believing it and following it, and as long as you're not hurting anybody else, I think that you know, teach their own. <laughs> I have seen Pomsky's. They are adorable. One lives in my complex. Archie is terrified of him. Uh, I do not follow Bob Gilman Gimlin much. Gilman? Gimlin? Um, but I, I have been told I should check him out. I plan to. i uh, just started the book of Enoch. Thinking there are some overall parallels. Yes. So, Enoch was compiled between the 4th century BC and the 1st century AD. Um... It is not scripture, it's deuterocanonical, it's apocryphal. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church holds it as scripture to this day, um, but they're the only church that does. Uh, My opinion on Enoch is that it begins as oral tradition, probably from the same time as Genesis, and just did not have the same... um, Because our first extant example of it uh, comes from an Ethiopic translation um, from a likely earlier greek translation of an original hebrew text that i think it's just along the way gotten lost (laughs) Ah, do you want do you want to get down is that what this is okay go on you can get down good boy um (laughs) i hope that every time brian or his father use black pepper the dust flies up their nose and eyes (laughs) uh Yes, the Cherokee devil type Bigfoot's an interesting one. Um, I think it's interesting that it's a a culture bound thing and that it only attacks Cherokee people from what I understand. Uh, If you ever talked about missing people in Cloudland State Park? I'll take a look. Um, Bigfoot is real, but a lot of people are a lot of Bigfoot people are full of shit. I agree with that. My friend told me about lore in Mississippi, the tall, pale demons with red eyes that will attack you in the dark in the middle of nowhere. That fits pretty well with, with all the flesh pedestrian stuff. I will look into that specifically. I wonder if that has to do with Um Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> Did drugs and saw a forest god. Yeah, that happens a lot. Um, what's interesting about things like DMT, uh, which I, I haven't done DMT, but from what I've heard from people who've done DMT is they will do it in completely separate places, uh, not speak to each other and report seeing the exact same thing. It seems like DMT gives you pretty much the same experience every time with minor variations. And uh, what what we know is that on autopsy DMT is detectable within the human brain. We don't know if it is produced at the moment of death or if it's something that's produced throughout life. My theory has long been that profits i uh, People who speak to angels and gods and whatnot have, um, very high natural DMT concentrations in their brains, and that's what allows them to interact with this other dimension. Um, you know, call, call me crazy if you want to, but that's my, my opinion. Um, let's see. <laughs> um, I am gonna say I, I do have to get going soon because I'm, I'm meeting a friend to see the new Top Gun, um, for the third time. <laughs> um favorite roman emperor hmm gonna have to get back to you on that one i would i would i'm gonna say marcus aurelius i know it's kind of basic but i really love aurelius uh as a philosopher um i have another store unqualified apparel uh that has some shirts with aurelius quotes on it because i think he's just a, a phenomenal writer and and uh and philosopher uh, do I think demons and angels are physical beings? I think demons and angels are are interdimensional. I think that they can manifest as physical beings in our universe, but also don't necessarily have to. Um, there's also you know all sorts of you know different kinds of angels in the Bible and different classes. And um, wendigoon has a great video on the classes of the angels that I would I would recommend. Um, yeah, that's why I'm not sure about the Mississippi thing is because Nalusafalaya is supposed to be a shadowy figure, not a pale one. So I'll, I'll have to look into that. But pale-faced demons are also referenced by the DNA peoples of um, of Northern Canada. So like the Nahani uh, people and Nahanni, uh, the Nahanni uh, National Park Preserve. Uh, we've done a podcast and a video on that. Very, very strange story. Mr. Ballin also covers it pretty well. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, I know this was a pretty heavy episode and, uh, I, I appreciate everybody sticking around. Um, you know, I want to, I, I want to pitch once more, uh, go to the Gabby Petito Foundation's website. Um, you know, throw them five, 10 bucks. I think that that is a much better use of your money than super chatting me. So, uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much. And, um, I'll see you, I'll see you next week.